0: I'm excited about what we're talking about today, but before I name it, I was reflecting on my time in college this week, and the thing that we're going to talk about today, and I'll leave you in suspense there for a second, but it reminded me of my time in college, and I was thinking about like some of my favorite parts of college, and one of my favorite parts about that age, and if you didn't go to college, maybe think of high school, but it's it's the fact that you're like living in this like 18 to 21-year-old range, you know, technically an adult, but really you're not an adult at all, right? You have like no responsibility, even though you've been taught you can vote for a president or whatever, but um, you can listen to the military, but let's be honest, other than that, there's not really a whole lot that comes with it if you were like me, and I loved having friends at that age. Right, Because we had moved out of the house, and we were out of college, so there wasn't real like, strict authority. we kind of do whatever we wanted, and it was just so much fun. Friendships in college, to me, stand unique. Because once you get out of college, you kind of enter into these responsibilities and these schedules and routines, and you just don't quite have the time to build the unique bond that I felt in my friendships in college. Right, And, and there was two things, and I'm sure there's more than this, but there's two things that stand out to me about friendship in college. One is how much you get to see them. It's like all the time. Whether you're in a class together, like I once got kicked out of a class with my friends in college. That's that's a good memory, right? Like in class together, sitting on the lawn together, throwing frisbee, eating Baja burrito, doing whatever you're doing, like playing video games, watching sports, sitting around a bonfire. Clearly this is dude stuff, but you know, other stuff too, you know, ladies, you know, think of your own example. I don't want to make one up for you. Uh, Almost. I don't want to, like, I was about to stereotype the heck out of females, and I don't want to do that. Um, All right, so, uh, but you know what I'm saying? It's like those daily rhythms. It's that you're just always together, and you don't look back and go, remember that one time in the cafeteria you go, remember all those times in the cafeteria? Like, remember all those times sitting on the lawn at Belmont? Remember all those times staying, staying up late and playing video games? Like, remember all those moments. And there may not be one specific thing that stands out, but it was the quantity that built this foundation for just like rock solid friendship. That's one part. But then the second part is like those special moments where you leave the normalcy of life behind and you adventure together. And you make memories in a big, crazy way. I'll give you an example of this. I remember, I think it was like sophomore year. It's 11.30 at night. I'm at a buddy's house, and I'm on Facebook. Terrible start, okay? And so I find out that this girl who I knew in fifth grade had DM'd me, had messaged me. Now she wasn't being weird. She messaged me about something very normal, mundane, not interesting. I was the weird one because I was like, whoa, you turned out to be super cute. I was like, I talked to my friend, was like, this girl just messaged me. I knew her in fifth grade. Look how pretty she is. He says, dude, you should make up an elaborate lie to convince her that we're in her town, touring her college, and see if she'd wanna hang out. And I said, yes, I should do that, right? And so I said, hey, uh, she lived in Virginia and I'm in Nashville. I said, hey, this is so crazy. What a coincidence. Me and my friends are in Virginia touring your university. Would you want to grab dinner? And she bought it. I don't know how she didn't know that. We were just completely lying, but she bought it. And so at 1130 at night, me and three of my buddies get in a car and drive to Virginia, and about 4 a.m., I start getting so sick. My throat, it's, it's wintertime. I'm wearing a purple v neck Ralph Lauren sweater. And I just imagined what I looked like. It was insane. It is 4 a.m., I'm coughing. I've got congestion. It went awful. Um, we meet up with the girl. That went terrible. It did not work out. She was not interested in any way. So that didn't go well. But what was so much fun, right, was that me and my buddies got in a car at midnight and drove to Virginia. Like, who does that? And so oftentimes when me and my friends are hanging out, we won't talk about all the times at the cafeteria, we'll remember those like unique stories like that. Remember that crazy moment (laughs) where we thought it was a good idea to come up with an elaborate lie to try to hook up with a not hook up, try to get and hang out with a girl um, and it didn't work out. Remember that? And it's like, oh my gosh, that was such a crazy story, you know. And and I kind of want to talk about today, you know, we'll always talk about daily disciplines with the Lord. We'll talk about what it looks like to read the Word and to pray and to share your faith and to worship and every single day invest in your relationship with God. And we think that's important because a life of investing with the Lord daily will build this like solid foundation of friendship with God. But I want to focus a lot more on that second dynamic, on something called a spiritual retreat. Has anyone ever heard of a spiritual retreat before? It's It's kind of weird verbiage to put to it, but I want to talk about a spiritual retreat today. What it looks like to leave behind the normalcies, the daily rhythms of life, and to get away and to adventure with God, all right? So kind of simply, a spiritual retreat means leaving your daily, your normal habits and routines behind for an extended period of time to be with God. And so today is going to be this big invitation to you to change it up a little bit and to set a time, set aside, more than just 30 minutes, more than just an hour, but an extended period of time, to get with the Father, to get with God. because I know these daily routines that we're in, if we're committing to the Lord, they are so fruitful and so beneficial but there's something special. You know, when I told this story about Virginia to you, you might've laughed and thought it was ridiculous, but you didn't connect to it like I did. Why? Because I'm the one that experienced that special moment, (laughs) special moment, whatever you would want to call that story. You know. But I was the one that felt that, that experienced it. It was unique to my experience with those friends. And I think it's available with God. I really do. So I want to talk about spiritual retreat. So um, there's pens and paper at your table, or you can use your phone, but I really want to invite you to take notes today, okay? And I want to warn you, this is going to be sort of a list-heavy thing. I'm going to invite you to start game planning what a spiritual retreat might look like. I'm not asking for a verbal commitment yet, but I am asking you to at least pretend as if you're going to take one of these, because I'm going to talk about three different things. First is going to be the purpose. What is the purpose of a spiritual retreat, what I'm talking about today? Why am I bringing this, for some of you, new idea to your life? Why do I think it's important? What's the purpose behind it? Why do we even do it? Secondly, what's the plan? How do you plan a spiritual retreat? Because as sexy as it sounds to like go away with God and be with him for eight hours, inevitably you'll get there and 30 minutes in you're twiddling your thumbs like, okay, I just prayed the best prayer of my life and I'm 30 minutes in and I don't honestly know what to do anymore. I'm exhausted, okay? And so I think it's helpful to kind of have a spiritual plan and we'll talk more about that. And then a place, thirdly is the place where to do something like this, because this is kind of a unique thing, and I don't think your typical coffee shop will will be open to like your spiritual retreat as we're going to talk about it, okay? So um, the purpose, the plan, and then the place, all right? So we're going to break this down. So first, let's talk about the purpose What's the purpose on going something like this? And again, let me say this. We're going to go through some lists, and just bear with me, all right? Because this is a launching pad moment. This won't be a very like big like, hype, emotional pep talk. This will be more of a, here's a list of things that's going to help you launch so you can be with God, okay? Um, so first, let's talk about the purpose. So why even get into something like this, uh, the purpose of it all? Um, the first reason is because Jesus did this. All right? I don't think this is just some, like, really good idea, right? Even though I do think it's a good idea, but that's not the only reason I'm sharing it. I'm sharing it because Jesus does this. In Matthew chapter 4, it's going to say, Then Jesus, this is right after Jesus was baptized. It's before he started his ministry. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, because he had been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And the tempter came and said to him, and it goes into uh, Jesus and Satan in this encounter that they had. But what I want us to notice about this is it says that Jesus went away into the wilderness for 40 days, and he's praying and fasting, okay? So what that means is he was with the Father, right? He didn't just wake up and have some coffee and, and read my utmost for his highest, right? Like he went away for 40 days and 40 nights, and then in Mark 1, we're going to see that after that moment, he's going to come down and call disciples. And then one morning, the disciples are going to wake up and start looking for Jesus, and they can't find him. And they finally go and find him by a tree, like praying. He'd been praying all morning, and like, Jesus, where have you been? And Jesus has been with the Father. In Luke five sixteen, it says that Jesus would often slip away to pray. This was a normal thing. There's a moment in Matthew where John the Baptist, one of Jesus' really good friends, he passes away. He's, he's actually murdered And Jesus wants to get away. He gets in a boat to go to another land so he can be alone with the Father. People end up following him there and he ends up having compassion and doing miracles. But the hope there was that he would get alone, right? And so the first reason that we do spiritual retreats is because Jesus did this. And if Jesus did it, please hear me, if Jesus invested in this, we want to invest in this as followers of Jesus. And the second reason is to connect with God. Quite simply, it's just to connect with God, and these two are intertwined. I think Jesus spent this kind of time with the Father because he knew it was pivotal to his life. Everything he wanted to do had to come from the Father. That relationship is what fueled, I believe, everything Jesus did in his ministry. And it's what's going to fuel us. We have to connect with God. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. 37, you know, they're going to ask, someone's going to ask Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus is going to say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. That's a big commandment, right? To love the Lord your God with every bit of you, every part of your being, devoted to the Lord. And I started thinking, you know, how did Jesus live into this? And I think it started with the Father. And then I started thinking about my life. I started thinking about the currents of culture The currents of your life. Think right now, what are the currents of your life? You know, if you get in a river and there's a current, that current takes you somewhere, right? It leads you somewhere. And if you're not careful, it'll take you somewhere you didn't mean to go, okay? And so the currents of your life, what things are you normally doing is is culture normally promoting that is taking you to obey that command? What Jesus is going to say is the most important thing. Sum it all up, the most important thing, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And so the spiritual retreat is an opportunity to step back and to connect with God and to create this current that takes you toward obeying this command. Thirdly, uh, it's a great chance to step back and actually look at your life. You know, it's so hard to do this on a daily basis. You just get caught in the routine of things, and sometimes you need a chance to step back and see the big picture of your life. What things am I investing in that are helping me love God helping me share Jesus? What things am I investing in that help me live into what Jesus is calling me to do? And what things have I been investing in for three years, 10 years, and I've never asked, why do I care about this? Why am I investing in this? This isn't even taking me closer to God. It's not helping my family. It's just a thing I do that I could easily stop. It's a great chance to just step back and kind of just see what's going on in your life, okay? It's a great, great chance to step back and reflect. And then lastly, it's a great chance to detox, all right? We are media people, We are chaotic people. We are busy people. We're busy when we have nothing to be busy with. That's just kind of how we work, all right? The other week, I did a juice cleanse, all right? Look, I don't have a lot of money. I don't spend a lot of money, all right? But I had saved up some money, and I did a juice cleanse. I didn't go buy new clothes, which I wish I would have now, but instead, I tried to juice it up, all right, for three days. And people asked me, hey, how did that juice cleanse go? And the biggest lesson I learned from the juice cleanse was a juice cleanse is actually worthless if you don't change your diet after it. It doesn't matter. Like, okay, I had a really healthy three days and then the next day I was back to being normal me, you know, like bad eating habits, a lot of sugar, a lot of ice cream, a lot of cookies. Don't regret it, it's fine, but like it's not really that helpful, right? The point of a detox with the juice cleanse, and they, and they put this on the little pamphlet, but I just ignored that part, you know, is you're resetting your body for those three days, only drinking juice so that you can form a new diet and, and help your body be nutritious, you know, and, and you're just changing your eating habits. Um, But instead, I kind of forgot that last part and went back to my normal diet. And so the hope of the spiritual retreat is to detox and then inevitably to create change moving forward. So, you know, you're getting away from your phone, from media, from all the things that flood your mind, not just for that like day break, but hopefully to create change coming out of that spiritual retreat. So that's kind of the heart behind it. That's the purpose behind it. Now let's talk about, the plan. All right, let's talk about what it looks like to plan a spiritual retreat. And we're going to talk about what you're going to do versus what you're not going to do. What you're going to do versus what you're not going to do. So I want to talk about, um, you know, building kind of a schedule for your spiritual retreat. And, and just to speak into this real quick, you know, you're not trying to be super regimented here. Um, so this isn't like a, hey, for 17 minutes I'll pray, and the minute the timer goes off I'm moving out. You know, you want to leave room for the Holy Spirit to move, because I really do believe God's going to work, in this, in this time. But create a loose schedule. Here's kind of the order I'm going to do things. Here's some things I want to do in this time so that, you know, you don't have that moment of, okay, I don't know what to do next. Maybe I'll just quit, okay? So here's some things that I would include for me. If you have your own ideas, please run with it. That's the point. But first thing, it, when, you're, when, you're, when you've gotten to the place you're going, spiritual retreat is starting, okay? The first thing is prayer, all right? And, and hopefully you've blocked out a significant amount of time here, to where time's not really a factor, right? So, you know, when we're, when we're singing worship and, or right before we sing worship and Larkin comes up and says, stand up, meet somebody, you have a conversation that's oriented around time, right? You, what's your name? What do you do in Nashville? Okay, great, because we're about to start singing, right? That's a totally different conversation than when you're at a park and you've got like four hours. That's when you have time to like ask detailed questions and get specific and hey, what do you mean by that? And what's that mean? Oh, where did that come from? And it's the same thing with God. Right when you start praying, I want you to feel the freedom of the time that you have. Don't rush through things. Talk to God about anything. Be honest. Confess sin. You ever had a fight with a friend and then the next day hung out and before you said sorry, you try to have like normal friendship with them, but you can feel the tightness. You're like, we're talking about this thing that we always talk about, but it's different because we haven't talked about that fight we had yesterday or maybe with your spouse, and then the minute you say sorry and talk through it, you kind of feel the airlift, right? Same thing with God. When you get with Him and start praying to Him, man, go ahead and search your heart for any sin, any kind of weird, awkward thing in between you and God, and clear that out. Have a time of confession Repentance. I think, at least for me, this helps me really enjoy the rest of my time. Okay, good. That's out of the way. That burden is lifted. Jesus is gracious, man. I'm forgiven, and now we can really, really hang. Okay. Um, So, prayer, man. Spend time talking to God. Submit your request to God. I think it's in Philippians four, maybe, Um, with prayer and petition. Let your request be made known. Tell God what's on your heart, what's on your mind, what you're wanting. But just talk to God. No time limit. So, so prayer. We got worship um worship and reading scripture two things that are really going to help so sing to god dance to god if you like to play guitar play guitar if you like to play piano and you happen to somehow find a way to carry a piano wherever you're going play piano to god Um, but do something express yourself to god i think i think that's one thing i've always limited for myself in my quiet time with the lord i designate worship for places like these settings like these where someone's leading um I've actually found a lot of power in singing to the Lord. And this may even sound weird. I'll make up a song as I'm going. I'm just like singing my prayer. And I'll get to why it's important to be in private here, right? Because I don't sing well and I didn't rhyme or have any rhythm, okay? But I was just singing to the Lord. And that may sound so weird, but give it a shot. Like, it was so cool for me. It was like my heart got to cry in a different way. But take time to worship the Lord. I found that making lists of thanks is so important. If you write down things you're grateful for, if you're like, I don't know where to start with God, I don't even know how to worship Him, start writing down the things you're thankful for and don't stop. I mean, write at least a hundred things and just watch what happens to your heart as you start to call out, I love some of this stuff and it's from you, God, and that kind of helps you get into worship. You know, read scripture, one of the most obvious things ever, right? And again, time's important here because you don't have a time constraint. So for me, I like to read one or two chapters a day, right, of the Bible. But when you're on like a spiritual retreat, you actually have a chance to read large chunks of scripture. And you'll find that as soon as you stop feeling like that that pressure of time and like let go, you can read like the whole book of Mark. I think it's like 14 chapters or 16. Is it 14 or 16? You don't know. I don't know either. Okay, Mark 14. You can read the whole book of Mark, okay, or the book of Esther. You can read a whole book and kind of get the feel um, for that book in a different way than if you're just reading like a chapter by chapter for a couple months, okay? So read scripture. Um, You can practice Lectio Divina or imaginative prayer. Um, Those may be two weird phrases for some of you. If you want to know more about that, come talk to me afterward or Larkin. We're really big fans of like Lectio Divina and praying scripture and imaginative prayer. It's really powerful ways to let scripture speak. But that's another option. Like I said, this is list heavy, so we're almost, we're almost through this, okay? Um, podcast. Podcasts are a great resource. I just discovered podcasts. It's like I have the iPhone 2 right now. I was like, wait, have you guys heard of podcasts? They're pretty sweet. You can, like, listen to people talk on those. And podcasts are super helpful. Man, I love listening to, like, Francis Chan or Tim Keller. But if you have a favorite speaker or a favorite devotional, man, get some po- podcasts downloaded before you go on the spiritual retreat. That's a great way to spend an hour, letting someone kind of speak in to your life. And then lastly, listening. Like sitting in silence is such a weird thought. Oh my gosh, it makes me nervous even thinking about sitting still and doing nothing. Like the thing I'm doing is nothing. And that's really hard, but it's really helpful. I think sitting in silence helps you hear what's really going on in your heart, both where God is speaking and also where the enemy's speaking. Um, but just being quiet, listening to nature, and letting distracting thoughts come and go as they may and a key to this will be being really gracious with yourself. You know, if you're one to get frustrated with distracting thoughts, um, you're going to get frustrated on the spiritual retreat because they will come. But if I want to encourage, encourage you, um, don't give any distracting thoughts too much weight. Like, let them come and then let them pass. Um, Because we live in a place of distraction, of chaos. Our minds are constantly running. And so if we're going to get frustrated every time we get distracted, the spiritual retreat will be a place of anger. Okay? So um, really, like, it's cool. Like, be distracted. It's all right. Then just come back, refocus. So don't give that too much weight. All right. What are we not doing? What are we not doing on the spiritual retreat? One, we're not proving ourselves to God. All right. We did not just increase our status with God because we took a spiritual retreat, all right? In Jesus, we are seated in the heavenly realms. Man, we've talked about Ephesians 1 through 3, that identity piece. Man, in Jesus, we are in the family of God. We're not on the guest list, man. We're royalty. We're in the heavenly realms right with Jesus. So a spiritual retreat does not enhance your status. Nothing changed. You're still a child of God. You're just hanging with your father, like, and that is good news, okay? Um, You're not forcing God's hand You're gonna let your request be made known to God, but just because you went on some spiritual retreat doesn't like force his hand to answer the prayers exactly how you were hoping. Prayer is a really good place to trust what God is doing, to trust that he knows better than you, that his ways are higher than that higher than yours. It's a a really good place to submit to the ways of God. So you're not proving yourself, you're letting your request be made known. You're praying for things, and there is power in prayer, and it's kind of that, that paradox, but you're not forcing God's hand with the spiritual retreat. Also, you're not connecting with the outside world all right? This is a place of disconnection, all right? So this is where I really want to encourage you. That phone needs to be either not with you or on airplane mode if you don't have a watch. Like, phones got rid of watches for me. So if you need something to keep time on, I get that. But you're not connecting with the outside world. I can't encourage this enough, all right? Um, You're not looking at your phone. You're not working. You're not emailing. You're not checking on anything. You are completely disconnected, from the outside world. This is time for you to be with God, and that's it. Now that be gracious piece of advice will be important, okay? Because if you're like me, you'll, be, you'll hate not having your phone. You're just used to having it. It's a habit. Um, so if you pull it out and accidentally go to IG or Twitter or, or work emails, whatever, it's cool. Don't give up. Put it back. Walk away from the phone. Reconnect with God. Um, but really try to disconnect. And, I, and to speak into that real quick, you'll have to plan for that, some of you have jobs and family and are busy. And so it's gonna be, and we'll talk about scheduling later, but it's gonna be really important that you let the people who need to know why you're not answering, like you let them know. Hey, for the next eight hours, you won't hear from me. I'm fine, I'm safe. I'm just needing to disconnect for a little bit. But do what you can to prepare for this retreat so that you can be fully present with God as God is fully present with you. So that's the plan. Um, now let's talk about place. Where do we do this? Where do we do this? I would really encourage doing this somewhere where there are few to zero people. Few to zero people. And if there are going to be people, I would go somewhere where you know for a fact you won't see anyone you know. Right? The whole point of that is to remove distraction. For me, I, I love people. I get energy from people. So I, I'm like quick to go, oh, I'll just like go to like Ethan Roast and have my spiritual retreat. That will never Ever work? I, I, just, I just can't do it that way. I'll have like a good quiet time, but the purpose of this is to really commune and talk with God in a unique way. So go to a place with few to no people. Now I've heard of people that have the budget for this, and they'll do things like they'll get an Airbnb for a day, and they'll literally go to someone else's house and it's just their spot, and like that's a great way to have privacy. I've heard of people traveling two hours away and getting a hotel room and like literally just being alone with the Father. Now if you're like me and don't have Typically, the the resources for something like that that's a little extravagant, right? There are free ways to do this. Um, A really safe place for me is actually turned out to be my car if I'll drive to a place with a good view because if the windows are up, I can talk as loud as I want, and someone might see me, and they'll assume I'm on the phone, which is great. I'm not. I'm talking to the Lord, but that's great, right? They're not, they're not thinking I'm doing that, so it's good. I may look a little weird, but you can do that. You can go to your closet, your backyard, to a park. You can go anywhere, but just kind of dream up. Where's a place I can go where I know I can be alone? One of my favorite things that I've done is I've taken my Eno or a hammock um, out to a park off a trail. Where I don't think I was supposed to walk off the trail, but I did. I walked up a hill, tied it to some trees, and was just like with God in nature. It was so, so good. So you can get creative with that. But my, my, my word of advice to you, don't do coffee shops. Don't do anything that you normally do. Change it up. Uh, get to a place where you can be alone and isolated and with the Father. And if you're married, um, I've heard of, of spouses doing this two ways. I've heard of, you know, this, you can team up and go, hey, you watch the kids. Uh, I'm going off. Or you do this while I go off. Or you can do it together. I would encourage doing both. Um, So if you have a spouse, like go together, spend time with the Lord, come back, what's God doing, share with each other, Um, but also maybe do a spiritual retreat alone. So you can do both of those, but absolutely include your partner on that, okay? So um, as we wrap up, I want to talk about what you should expect if you do this, all right? If you take these huge lists and actually go, I want to put this into practice, all right? Um, Expect to be distracted, okay? Expect this to be a little hard, Um, Expect to be a little anxious with just how much stillness and and alone time of God you're about to get. Um, And then expect to fight through it. All right? So expect some resistance. Expect some anxiety. And then expect to fight through it with prayer. Not just willpower, but like prayer. God, okay, I've been here for 17 minutes and I already want to quit. Please help me. I'm going to commit to this. But expect to fight through this, okay? It will be hard. It will be distracting. It will be a little anxious. Um, but if I that, I promise you, for me, it took me, I think, an hour and a half to really actually accept that I wasn't going anywhere. And then I kind of settled in with the Lord. So expect it to be hard, but also expect to push through it. Also expect God to move. Um, I've just seen that the posture of my heart actually matters. It sounds so weird. If God wants to move, he can move, right? There is something different when we have an expectation for God to move. I, I i've just seen that so try to go in there believing and if you don't it's okay but try to go in there believing that that god will move um and then just a, a key of advice schedule this um the same way that you schedule a meeting if you look in your calendar and you've got a coffee date at 10 and someone asks to hang out at nine thirty, you say no i can't I, i've got something going on at 10 you don't explain a whole lot you just say, i've got something going on so i can't do that do the same thing with the spiritual retreat Like schedule it a week in advance or schedule it a day in advance, but have it in the calendar. I do not think this will happen if it's just a good idea you're gonna consider. I think you need to plan for this, to get it in a calendar, okay? So um, like I said, I preface this with this isn't going to be like an emotional pep talk. This is going to be kind of a launching point, all right? So and I think maybe you feel that now, all right? There's a lot of ideas, a lot of things you can think about. So for the next like seven to eight minutes, I'm going to invite you on your phones or, or on the papers that you have to start brainstorming, hey, when might I do this? What might I be doing? Like, what could my spiritual retreat look like? What makes my heart come alive? How can I listen to God, pray to God? What can, it, what can I do? Who do I need to tell to prepare for this? Like, who are the people I need to let know, hey, I, I won't be here for this amount of time? Um, and then, can I go ahead and get it on the calendar? And if you're interested in doing this, my challenge to you is schedule this before September 7th. That's a month away. Schedule a spiritual retreat, Um, before September 7th. All right, so for the next seven minutes, pen, paper, phone, write it down, like start planning. What could a spiritual retreat look like if I was going to take one? And if you're willing to take that step, I would challenge you to go ahead and get it on the calendar. And once you have it scheduled, share it with somebody. Here's my plan. August 17th, I'm gonna be here. I'm gonna do this. That's all I'll tell you. And then just check with me on August 18th. Ask me how it went. I'll tell you about it. All right, does that make sense? Thank you guys. Thank you for sticking with me. I know what I just did to you. That was a lecture, but great job, all right? So seven minutes, let's make a plan. What if we put this into action? Let's see if we can't go and connect with the heart of God.